Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Women's Locker Room. I'm your host, Janelle Edding. This is a podcast by women, about women. Presented by Laurentian University Women in Sport, here to educate, motivate, and inspire the next generation of women in sport. Before we get started on this episode, I have to shout out a late, Happy International Women's Day to all the women out there, and especially some of the women in my life. To my mom, my two grandmothers, my Aunt Deanne, my Aunt Natalie, to my cousin Caro, my best friends Emily, Shannon, and so many others that I can name. I could have a whole episode all about the women in my life that continue to inspire me and help me shape to the woman I am. So to everybody, happy International Women's Day. Firstly, Maya, I'm joined by here by Maya Waldron. She is a Laurentian varsity baseball player. Maya, thank you so much for going on. Thank you for having me. If I sound like I smoke 60 cigarettes a day, I went to a hockey game and absolutely screamed, screamed my lungs off at a Sudbury Wolves game on Friday, so I apologize for my voice right now, but hopefully you guys can deal with it. Um, and we got a great episode for you guys today. Um, great conversations all about Maya and everything that's she's doing. Maya, so firstly, tell me about yourself. Um, So I am a second year at Laurentian University. I'm studying sport and physical education with a minor in psychology. Born and raised in the area of Georgina. Um, I've played baseball since I was quite young. Um, My family was prominently a hockey family, but I wanted to make my own mark on the world. Um, I have played for Team Ontario since I was 14 years old, um, collecting four gold medals, two silvers, and a bronze through my career. All right, well, like, first, tell me how you even got started into baseball. So my dad was away for work for a lot of my childhood, and then when he came back, he didn't like that I was in dance. So um, he immediately started because we had a pool in our backyard, he started throwing a wiffle ball and had me have like a little cheap bat just to see if I was any good at it. Um, and then he decided that I was, so he, I ended up playing house league for two years and then my parents thought I was good enough to move into rep and so from there forward, I just continued to do that. All right, sounds good. And how old were you when this happened? Uh, so I was seven when I first started playing. Wow, wow. What like what are some of your earliest memories from playing baseball? Like, did you like fall in love with it right away? Like, or was it just like you went just to play? Um, at first, it was just something else to do. Um, once I started playing rep and it got competitive, because I was always a competitive kid, having three older brothers. Uh, once I had that competitive edge with it, it was like I wanted to continue to do it all the time. And what position did you play? So growing up. I started as a second baseman, and then uh, I ended up being a catcher because my team had didn't have one at the time. Um, I now continue to be a catcher, but I also DH and pitch and wherever kind of needed to be. Um, and then, like, tell me, like, how you kind of got to like Laurentian? Like, how did how did that whole thing happen? Um, so when I applied to schools, I had the mindset of I was done playing baseball. Um, I then went to, it's called the Best Ever Clinic. It's run by Baseball Ontario. It's a big convention where um, baseball coaches from the States and um, around Canada uh, come and they talk about different techniques and everything. 
so I actually knew um, one of the guys there, Dirk, and I said to him, like, was asking him about his kid, and he was just asking me about school, and I told him that I got into Laurier and Laurentian, and he was like, hold on, both of those coaches are here. So he went and dragged me around this convention to go find these coaches um, and gave me the opportunity to speak with them. And so I met Brody Jeffries, who was Laurentian's coach at the time, and he, he, didn't, he was skeptical at first, and then he made some calls that night and looked me up and found my stats and everything. And then he saw me the next day and was like, here's my number, text me, you get a tour, um, there's a spot for you, you can do a tour and go see the school and we'll show you the facility, show you the field, everything. And so kind of from there, I was like, I wanted to go to university so much more because now I got to do what I loved as well. So that's kind of how it happened. Oh, yeah, that like, it's kind of like weird how stuff happens like that, right? Because it's like, just kind of like asking someone about their kid to like, hey, now you're playing varsity baseball. Yeah, like I, I had completely accepted that it wasn't going to be a thing just because it was a male-dominated thing. And I wasn't sure if any coach was going to give me a fair shake. Um, so I had kind of just accepted that if it happened, it happened. If it didn't, so what? I was kind of on the education point at that part, but... Let me ask you, at those, like, clinics, like, best baseball, is that what it's called? Best ever. Best ever baseball. How many girls are usually there? Um, hardly any. Um, there's the odd that are running, like, booths. Um, the one year there was uh, a girl, actually, who was a coach for the Yankees at the time, Rachel, who is now the first woman to be a minor league baseball head coach, so her manager. Um, so she, I actually met her there before she made her big break. Um, so it's usually very little. Um, she was a strength and conditioning coach at the time and has now made her way through the sport. But usually one, two, maybe a dad bringing his little girl just because they don't have a babysitter. But <laughs> it's usually just me. <laughs> yeah, like I grew up playing baseball, obviously not competitively. And I was kind of the same, right? Like I was one of two girls and they'd always try to put the girls on the same team to mm. like be included. But it's like you'd play kids and it's like you wouldn't see a girl for miles. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's always been that way. So before you got into university or after, when did you start playing with the girls side of baseball? Um, so I tried out my, for the first time when I was 13. Um, I was cut that year just cause I was young and didn't necessarily have the grind mentality that they did. Um, I returned when I was 14 and made team Ontario's 16 U team. Uh, I played three years with them, and then from 15 on, I've played with the 21U team and women's. Okay, like, how do you, well, obviously, there's such a difference between, like, males and females, but how do you feel it's, like, different between the two teams? <laughs> just, like, the difference when I first came to the team was just how comfortable you felt. You didn't feel secluded, and you didn't feel like you were like an anomaly just the fact that you were not only were you on a team with girls is I was playing girls from BC who were all went through similar situations all had to be a girl on a guy's team to end up where they are and so it was just a comfort thing of like feeling welcomed almost I think when we're watching these like you go through so much you have a tough tougher skin too and then when you all get together it's probably so nice just to be like you're not constantly looking over your shoulder. And you'd... Oh, absolutely. I mean, 
I always felt that when I made a error or some kind of mistake playing with my guys team, it was, oh, it's because she's a girl. Oh, it's because she's not good enough. If one of the guys on my team made a mistake, it was, he's having a bad day. And that was something that every game I came with this heavy weight on my shoulder of, I have to perform the best of the best and the best I can every time and can't have an off day because I'm a girl and I'm singled out over everything. So when I go to the play with the girls, it's like, you don't have that because it's like, you're equal to your fellow athletes. You're equal to your peers. Everybody expects you to do your best, but if you have an off day or you don't do as well, people still see you as a human being. Yeah. And like, I think we're seeing so much of that, like in baseball and other sports and like these male dominated sports, it's like, you always get, cause she's a girl. Cause she, cause she's a girl. Oh, she's emotional today. And it's like, it's so mm-hmm. frustrating. Cause it's like, we could do it just as well as you can. Oh, we can have a bad day too, but because of our gender, we can't be. Oh, absolutely. It's even like you see the posts on social medias now where they're, someone's you know, trying to hype up a girl and post a video. And in the comment section, it's just mutilation. And it's like, how did we get here? How did we get people who live their life with so much hatred? Like, how does that be the first thing that comes to your head? And that always baffled me. And I unfortunately had to learn it at such a young age to block that out. But it's, it's tough for other young girls to be able to survive that culture. Yeah. And, and we wonder why like girls, like, it's a known fact. Girls get out of sports so much earlier than guys. Absolutely, and it makes sense. It yeah. honestly does. All right, talking about that, you're the the women's team, the U sixteen, U twenty one teams again. From a kind of like organizational side of it, playing competitive guys and then playing competitive girls. Do you see like a unbalance of like resources? With the women's team, there hundred percent is. Yeah. Um, I absolutely love the coaches. Unfortunately, they're not given the resources to be able to um, spread the game as much as we want. I mean, it's the same struggle that, you know, hockey's went through for all those years and Haley Wickenheiser's put so much legwork into doing. Um, Unfortunately, we have those women who are in those spots. Um, Ashley Stevenson and Kate Soda, they are in those spots to be what Haley Wickenheiser was for hockey, but it's just the publicity and the the mindset, it's just not going the way I want it to, which is partly why um, I was so happy to get to talk to Michael Holmes with his article, just because it was a way for me to use my voice and use a platform. I feel like a bunch of girls who have that platform right now aren't using it properly. Um, we need to create a safe space. We need to get it out there. Um, I find, I don't know versus the other provinces, but I know for Ontario, we only do tryouts in Richmond Hill. And think about the fact that we're living in Sudbury right now. That's yeah, a, like, almost five hour drive. Yeah, like like it just takes away, like it it limits, right? Like if you can't drive six hours on yeah. ever, you can't come to tryouts. Yeah, so like, and are you gonna book a hotel that night and stay for the next tryout and then drive all the way home and you have class? Cause these girls are young, like they're gonna have class, their parents are, might have to take off work. It's just, we really need to have a tryout out here for all the girls up north and have a tryout in Ottawa. Like, we only practice, and I get it because the coaches are from that area, so you're not going to want to, you know, go out of your way, but we need some type of push to have them other places. Um, Currently, there's an initiative for girls' clinics. I think it's Girls' Day, something along the lines of that, that Baseball Ontario is doing, which is awesome. 
it's just, again, like, Baseball Ontario doesn't have that many followers on Instagram. And the only people who get their emails are people who are already in the program. So there's not a push for other girls to find out. And I'm obviously single-handedly can't do that myself, but it's the goal of trying to help make that push and get girls more known that you don't have to switch to softball when you're 12. I was told that years and years and years of when are you going to make the switch? When are you going to make the switch? And it's like, I didn't want to, I didn't fall in love with softball. I fell in love with baseball. I fell in love with that game. So it's like the resources are a thousand percent not there. And it sucks because even the guys team Ontario versus the women's is they get so much free gear. They get shirts and pants and, you know, some of their travel paid for. We get none of that, which I understand the money's not there for it. I just, I don't think there's that many extra people watching provincial ball men's versus women's. So I don't understand where the money gets split up there. Yeah. It's such a vicious cycle, right? Like I've growing up playing hockey, playing baseball. I've, I went through the same thing. It's when are you going to switch to softball? And it's like, I didn't like softball. Like you, I didn't like softball. I love playing baseball. I love being around the guys, but it's, you're expected to. And on top of that, like going back to other sports, right? Like it's the women don't get money because they're not on TV because nobody wants to watch. Put us on TV with a good camera, with mm. all the resources. Put us on prime time, and you'll get people to watch. Yeah. Look at the women's hockey final, right? Yeah. That was one of the most watched events in the Olympics. And it's these vicious cycles that we're getting into because nobody's helping us out. Yeah. It sucks, too, because, like, I have a struggle with the recent definition of feminism just because I think some people do go overboard on it. Like... I understand why women's hockey it's isn't on TV. It's it's a business. At the end of the day, like if they're not getting the money and not getting the sponsorships, but the problem is is some of the women who are saying all this stuff aren't going to watch. Go buy a ticket to the women's league that was in Toronto. That's why it shut down. Is no one was going, even women. So it's like we have to like recognize that we have to help too. And I 100% agree with that, right? Like we there's such a stigma, I think, behind the word feminist, and I think it comes from two extremes of side, right? Mm. It's like nobody's asking – we're not – to use that phrase, not all men are bad. We're not saying that. We're not saying women should have a, a leg up over men. We shouldn't say that women should be getting job in, in, front of, on, in front of more qualified males, right? We just want to create – the conversation and want to get it out there to get equal opportunities. Yeah, it's 100% equal opportunity. And like, it's just with all the sports and everything, it's, again, at the end of the day of business. So I get it. It's just, it's hard because these women are putting the wrong idea and men feel threatened by it, which I completely understand. We're bringing up a topic that people are uncomfortable with. And I think... The uncomfortableness starts from change. And I also think it also comes from not really understanding, right? I'll use an example. I, I'm i trying to get into the sports world. I would like to be break barriers and be an advocate for women working in the sports industry. I remember having a conversation once with someone at a job that I was working at. I was the only woman there and we had a really good conversation. I thought he was kind of interested in me, like interesting in what I was saying. And they gave me a business card. 
Uh, he gave me a business card, and I thought, I honestly was proud of myself. I'm like, that's good networking. I found out he gave me a business card because he thought I was hot. Yeah, that's Like, not, that doesn't happen to males. No, not at all. Hardly, and if it does, like, obviously, it probably does in some way, shape, or form in different industries, but this, the stats are there to show that it happens to women more. 100%. And just, like, my job now, like, I love my job at the Baseball Academy in Sudbury, but... I have people come in and I'll be like, hey, can I move the basketball net for you? And they'll be like, no, actually, can your boss do it? And it's because my boss is a man. No, you won't be strong enough to do that. I can do it myself. And it's like, I wouldn't be working here and I wouldn't have offered if I thought I was going to embarrass myself by not being able to move the net. Like, but with like your situation with being in SPAD, like when I came to the school, everyone was like, oh, it's a male program. And then, of course, I meet some SPAD guys, and then they start telling me about you because we're both female athletes and are in this program where we are pushing for women's rights in the sport and in the workforce. And it was like I immediately wanted to meet you because it's like you were doing something different. You were breaking that barrier because SPAD at Laurentian is 100% a male-dominated program. Yeah, and like – Oh, it's the exact same thing with you, right? I meant shout out. I got a shout out. My, Michael Holmes, great article on you. And it was really good. And, relevant. and the first thing I read, it was like, oh, I got to interview this girl. Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's, we are, you're right. Like SPAD is a male dominated program. I'm one of six girls, five girls in my year. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, that's, that's the industry. And that's, mm-hmm. this is the reality of the world right now. And I think when we're looking at breaking these barriers and looking at changing kind of the culture, we have to go through those uncomfortable situations. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is kind of, I don't know how to say it, like kind of the stopping point right now is that some people aren't welcoming these uncomfortable situations because it's change. It's change. Well, and I find it too, like our, our world is slowly developing and it sucks for our year because I think the girls younger than us have a better chance because of stuff we've done. But I mean, before when you came to the program, it was male dominated. Now there might be more first year females just because girls might've been more interested in sports because they had more opportunities to be in sports. It's just adjusting to that change. And like slowly, I think it will. And I find it funny when like with baseball, as an example, people are like, Oh, you want to be the first girl in the MLB. I don't want to be the first girl in the MLB. That would be awesome. Cool. I would love to be what do what Jackie Robinson did. That would be phenomenal. But we want our own league, a league of our own. Like that it, it's the same with work and everything. We just want that equal opportunity and something offered for ourselves as females. Yeah, exactly. And Kamala Harris said it perfectly in her speech. She goes, "You can't dream what you can't see." Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of we're trying we didn't really see it a lot growing up, but we know this is where we want to be. I want to make sure in 10 years, when we look at MLB front offices, we aren't celebrating these milestones every year because they've been here for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mentioned your off-the-field initiatives, and I really wanted to get into that. Please talk about that. I want to hear all about it. So um, it started in my hometown, Georgina. Um, I have been blessed with the best organization. Georgina Minor Baseball has been um, They've been my backbone to my career so far. Um, They've offered me scholarships when I ended up playing for Team Ontario, and I wanted to give back. Uh, So I started running a girls' day camp. It was just one camp at the first, at the beginning, just to see the interest. Because you obviously can't, I've been telling people this for years, you can't just start a team. You can't just start a league. You have to get interest first. So I did a camp, and it was open ages, which was chaos, but 
it was all these girls and through the league. And the now the step is I started talking to Vemba, which is Valley East Minor Baseball um, up here in Sudbury. Uh, and they've given, given me a platform to be able to create a girls day, girls camp out here in Sudbury. So the goal is I'm going to run one a month um, in York Region, which is my home uh, area, and then here in Sudbury in the summer of having a day where these girls can come together, meet other girls, be comfortable. And honestly, the biggest part for me is have a safe space because that's what I didn't have. I didn't get that until I started with Team Ontario. And to be honest, it was almost too late for me. I was so secluded in my sport and it was like, I needed that comfortable atmosphere. Um, so for me, it was, uh, I had a best friend on Bloorerdale, which is in Toronto, Maddie. She, anytime I played against her, it was this like sigh of relief of seeing her still surviving because I was still surviving. It was a comfortable feeling. So I want to give these girls that opportunity to feel that way. I want to give them the opportunity to be able to speak with me, speak with girls just like them, and also have the parents have the opportunity to speak with me and even speak with my parents. I've offered that up as well, just because as a parent, it's a hard thing. And unfortunately for my parents, like my mom says sometimes when we talk about mental health and everything, she, she apologizes to me because they put me in baseball and that caused some of my trauma and some of my mental health issues just because of the hell I went through. Um, so it was, it's something that I don't want younger girls to go through. And I think our culture is a little bit different and I don't think it will be as bad for them just based off of meeting these girls and talking to them, or at least won't start as young. But that's the goal is to be able to start this and then slowly, and it might not ever get to the point I want it to before my life is over, but I want to create a base where we can get girls in this area comfortable and girls in my hometown comfortable with being a female in their sport and teaching them about their body because our bodies aren't the same. And that is a huge thing that when all this time people are like, well, you're not as strong as a man. I know I'm not as strong as a man, 100%. Growing up, it used to frustrate me so badly because it was, I could go to practice and I could swing with my whole body and I would barely hit a double. And a guy on my team could swing with just his arms and the ball would be at least 100 feet farther than that. I know I'm not as strong. I know I have to work harder, but I wanna teach these girls that there are ways to make yourself as strong in different ways. There are ways to learn about your body, to be able to utilize every piece of you. It's just obviously getting that on the ground. Yeah, it's a part, we have to get to a point where girls are no longer surviving. Yeah. They're playing because they should be there. And you make such a great point when it comes to your bodies, right? Like so many people and so many girls, especially young girls, go through those mental health issues because of their bodies. Mm. And in in sport, it's magnified, yeah. right? It's magnified. We go from points where it's like, I don't know when you're playing in a male-dominant sport, it's like, how can I do this when I'm like not as strong and it's so frustrating to the point where it's like we're also forcing girls into eating disorders because they have to look a certain way when they play a certain yeah and it's like just the mindset too like I've been teaching these girls that we can outsmart we can use our brains and use that multitasking to create more on the field and that's why I've always been a good catcher is because I'm able to see everything 
and some guys struggle to be able to do multiple things at once behind the plate. I've been teaching these girls those mindsets and to be able to focus on everything and not just one thing. So you mentioned you've been told when are you going to switch to softball? You never wanted to play softball. Reading your article, there is a point that like made me kind of like, you know what? No, like we need to have this conversation and you're the perfect girl to have it with. Is that you said you had a parent say to a coach, your coach, that they shouldn't play you because there's nothing you could do in baseball, basically. Mm -hmm. How, like, talking, having these raw conversations with you, did you ever get to a point that you're like, I'm done? Absolutely. Um, I was lucky enough that I was with a good team where most of the guys were great with me. Um, It was usually other teams that the verbal abuse came in. Parents, which is just mind-boggling how a parent, an adult, can speak to a child the way they did. Um, I was around 14 or 15. It was right around when I started with Team Ontario. I think Team Ontario saved my career. Um, I would show up to baseball and would be crying the whole car ride. And I would play and I would get through it because I loved baseball. But I would get home and I would cry and I would cry and I would cry. And my parents, it was such a raw thing and such an unknown thing for a young kid to be able to talk about my feelings like that, where my parents would be like, what happened? And I couldn't even like get it out. Um, And it's taken me a while to be able to talk about it without being like super emotional about it. Obviously, it's still a raw topic, but it's, it was so draining hearing the things people had to say to me. And I mean, I got called every word in the book by the age I age of 14, like every single thing you could have called a human being, I was called. Um, I had people telling me that, you know, my kid could go pro, you can't, which like, I'm pretty sure it's like one in four athletes in a high school end up playing in division sport at all. So it's like, you're not going pro, especially in Canadian, like baseball, like that's not, that's not a thing. And at the age we were at, it's just insane. Um, There was definitely times where I was on the fence. Um, That season was the worst ever. I didn't have much of a joy for showing up to baseball anymore, which as a young kid is mentally, like, debilitating. Um, Not only did Team Ontario save me, but I had um, a coach from Barrie. Um, His name's Don Langdon, and I honestly owe my career to him, like what has happened since that day. We played our last game of the season against him, and I was ready for that to be my last game. And there was no comments made. I don't know what he said to his players. I don't know how those kids were raised, whatever. I didn't hear one peep from the parents. I didn't hear one peep from him. I didn't hear one peep from the kids. And he came over to me and he was like, hey, like, how's it going? It's good to see you. That simple interaction saved my career because I was ready to be done with just how much abuse I was taking. And it was accumulated over all the years I'd played. It just that year was so much worse. And then plus remembering and having the flashbacks of everything that had been said before, I was ready for it to be done. Yeah. And I think that's, well, thank you for sharing. Like that's so raw. Right. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, like you said, I, I just listening to you going back to you saying, well, like that, women's team like that team Ontario saved basically my baseball career on top of that interaction it's like 
we're getting to the point that these women leagues are literally keeping kids in the sport and what they're supposed to do. But we need more of that because that's Mm -hmm. the only, that's the only reason you're playing baseball today. Without that, you wouldn't be in the sport today. And it's crazy because it's, I got there and being able to talk to these girls and we, none of us really had raw conversations about what we'd went through. It was a weird, just feeling of knowing that they feel the same way. And it was nothing, no one ever said anything directly, but it was just, you felt that common feeling and that common comfortableness with each other, just because at the end of the day, we did go through the same stuff, whether we ever talked about it or not. Um, Especially the girls I knew who played in the same league. If it was getting said to me, it sure was getting said to her, um, which sucks. It sucked being able to think that it was happening to, I mean, there was 50 girls at Team Ontario tryouts. It's happening to 50 girls. And I think when talking about these girls, and it's also like, also reinstate, and you you mentioned it quite a few times, your guys on your team were great, right? Mm -hmm. We're not saying all guys are bad, but it doesn't take much. No. And it doesn't take much, and it's it's also a cultural thing, right? It's also a culture thing. It's also a society thing, right? Guys don't see a lot of girls play baseball, and culturally it's not as present and it could be coming from the parent which I think we go back to that and you mentioned it like so not even like sexism and for or just ridiculous parents are ridiculous when it comes to sport I was lucky enough to have two very supportive parents Mm -hmm. but I know kids that are still playing somewhere in Europe or still playing somewhere in the hockey league because the parent doesn't want to give up the dream on the kid or it's not pushing the kid to go to university because they said uh, they said oh yeah like he's he could still make it and it's we these kids at the end of the day are kids and you say well my kid could go to the league like your kid's not going to the freaking league yeah like right and I think it also a lot of it comes from the parents and we have to start and I think that's why I think I'm I don't want to say I'm hopeful for the young under generation but I am because I think we've seen this and we know when we have kids one day we will I will never push my kid to do something I I don't want to do and I will always push my kid to be like there's a girl playing beside you just as good as you and there's no reason why she can't be it's it's for sure that guys don't see it a lot especially in baseball I mean hockey it's more of a popular thing to have one girl on the rep team and all that but uh we did a tournament in the states and it was in Pittsburgh and I ended up pitching for my team. I wasn't a pitcher, but our pitcher, unfortunately, just had a really bad first inning, and we were already down 6 nothing. So it was like, well, if we're already losing, might as well pitch someone who doesn't pitch all, that time, all the time so we don't wreck a pitch count. And I went in, and I ended up finishing the game. But right when I was warming up, I just heard, I've never seen a girl play before, let alone pitch. And it's like, that to me was baffling. Because in Canada, to me, it's now a normal, general thing. I've had a couple girls come in and out of the league. In the States, it's not prominent at all. And their national team is just as good as our national team, which, again, people don't usually know we have. Um, But then we would go to a different diamond, and I had moms coming up to me and introducing themselves and being like, oh, my kid's playing at the other diamond, but I wanted to come meet you because you're such an anomaly. And I had to be like, I'm not an anomaly. And then I had parents being like, going up to my mom and being like, she's actually pretty. And my mom's like, 
did you think she was going to be like a raging lesbian, like stereotypical, like, like, what did you think you were going to see when you showed up here? Like, you obviously weren't expecting long, blonde, well-treated hair, like, normal, like, wears makeup on her off days, like, it was just baffling to me because that is another stereotype that comes with women's sports. Even when I came here to Laurentia and a bunch of the guys, like, asked me, which to me is disrespectful, but they meant it in the best way possible. They were just curious and they're dumb boys, but is that shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't need to be known whether you're into guys or girls or like non-binary, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's like, that was the stereotype is when all these moms found out I was playing. It was, she's not only playing, but she's actually pretty. I like I'm in that doesn't surprise me but it's still to ha- to hear you say it it's like especially in the U.S. like baseball is in these in the U.S.'s DNA it's America's yeah. pastime and being from Canada it's not as prominent up here right like we yeah. don't like you don't care much about like the MLB draft like the development no. of the you know we're whereas, hockey 100% we're, hockey. we're hockey and but for the U.S. to still take not have taken that step I think it's baffling it also shows the lack of development and to see that still and also you you mentioned stereotypes and stereotypes I think is one of the biggest problems and like it's like yeah I meet I'm friends I I'm the first to admit it I have two to three really close girlfriends and then I have a ton of guy friends me as well and I've had that question asked, so are you into girls? And it's like, no, I will, I have long, love to curl my hair. I love to wear makeup. I'm getting ready to wear a super cute dress to spot formal, like stuff like that. Like I, I could be the girliest girl and people, when they hear me talk, they're like, oh my God, you're in a sport. And I'm like, yes. And I could probably out quiz you as well. Yeah. And I, I'll never forget this. I was in grade 12 and I love watching basketball and the Raptors were playing the Golden State Warriors back when the Golden State Warriors were very good and so were the Raptors I think it was the year they won the championship and the guys beside me were talking about the game last night and I just turned to them and because I knew them and I said I said do you think the Raptors should have fouled there at the end like they were giving like Golden State the opportunity to tie the game like the best three-point team in the in the in in the world to go up and say give me your best shot 30 seconds left to tie the game and the guy just looked at me he goes he started explaining to me what a foul was and I kind of, like, even my prof that, to his credit, like, knows me very well. So knew he literally put up the def- definition of mansplaining on, on the board. Yeah. Because, like, they thought they had to explain me a foul. And then I went in to explain because he goes, like, oh, you watch basketball. Like, who do you think will win rookie of the year? And I went in to explain basically Luka Doncic's whole life story and all of his stats. And he kind of looked at me, looked at me at wide eyes. He goes, oh, my God, you know, you know basketball? I've never met a girl that knows basketball. Which, like, it's crazy, too, because you're in that program. It, it's not like you just picked it for fun. Like, it, you'd think it would click in someone's head that you're there. You're doing it. You in, engage in a conversation about sport, that you're not some stereotypical, you know, bimbo who doesn't know anything, valley girl who's just there for, like, the movie Legally Blonde. Right? Like, that whole stereotype of the fact that she looks like a blonde, 
pretty girl who doesn't know anything. Like, it's just baffling that we can have these conversations and be in these positions where we have this opportunity to know the stuff and learn the stuff, and we're still not treated like we know the stuff. Yeah, and I think it's so it's so raw to speak of, and I think it's so... I don't want to say hush hush and I've been lucky and I will lie I won't lie this spa program has been I've never gotten any anything like that from people in my circle yeah right because people understand now and it's getting a lot better but to still get that from people I don't know it's like oh you actually know what you're talking about it's like why did you expect me not to it's insulting it's insulting why did you expect me not to and it's oh you expect me not to because you've been told girls don't know sport well it's even like just in any degree and everything I've heard my friends when I first met them like they didn't know much about me and um, it was my first year at university and I've always been into like human kinetics and the health and physio and being an athletic trainer and it's them saying oh like something about stretching and I'm so sore and me being like hey like if you do this and like you know stretch these muscles and work these things like you'll feel better at your game and they didn't listen to me the first like 10 times. And then one of them gave me the chance to actually like listen to what I said and tried it. And they were like, oh, you actually know your stuff. And it's like, I wouldn't just speak nonsense just for fun, just to like, see if you'll listen to me like, you know, but if a guy said it, and I've heard it happen in my program, if a guy says something with confidence, it's like, he's right. Yeah, and it's it's just when it comes down to it, like, girls just aren't given enough. I don't want to say credit because it's not that, but it's not the, it's the reputation and yeah. it's the, and it's the, we shouldn't, it's the breaking the barrier, breaking the yeah. stereotypes. It's the don't judge a book by its cover. We yeah. get judged before anyone knows anything about us. And I think when we talk about like these, talk about what's going on in and outside the sports world, right? The example you just goes to was literally in the medical field, right? And it's, we, I'm not sure if I have all the answers how to fix it. And nobody, I think, does. And I think it's going to start with our generation really, because right, we mentioned parents, right? Like our generation really kind of working on the generations under us, our kids. We're going to teach our kids how to parent this way and blah 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 and it's gonna come down and like you said it may not get to the point that we want in our lifetime but women can vote six years ago right women didn't have a voice six years ago they worked they were housewives yeah now it's like okay most people have two income families women and men are working yeah and stay-at-home dads it's a thing yeah and so I think we are on the path Yeah, there's obviously going to be the odd person that is the bad apple in the group. I mean, I've had conversations at work. There's this really muscular softball guy that comes in all the time. And he's a really nice guy. But the first interaction we had was, oh, you play for Laurentian? I'm like, yeah, like the men's team. He's like, oh, they let women do that? And your point on voting, I actually was so baffled that I looked at him and I'm like, yeah, they actually let us vote now too. It's a crazy concept (laughs) because I've also been doing this for so long that I'm not the emotional girl who goes and gets upset about it, which is 
honestly an awful thing to have to say that I've been through so much trauma with having people say those stuff that I've just got this thick skin of being like, I can push it off. Horrible thing to have to learn in your lifetime. Yeah. It is a life skill that I now appreciate, but it's like, how do you say that we let women do that? Of course. Yeah. We, 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 you're allowed to do a lot of things, things now. Yeah. We actually have like multiple genders and Multi- yeah. multiple sexualities like we have a lot of things that are in this world now if you haven't checked <laughs> <laughs> they allow women to do that like oh buddy get a clue um but yeah so i we don't have all the answers and we don't have all the solutions but having those uncomfortable conversations understanding i think also what women go through mm-hmm. i think that's so the thing is that people really don't understand they're like oh well like Okay, like, it's just words. It's like, no, right? Like, you, like, go back to the similar. You've never gotten excited because you thought you impressed someone to give you a business card just to find out because they they wanted to give you the business card because they were hot. You've never been through that before. And it's like, most guys couldn't even, like, most guys can even go through what you've gone through in your lifetime Mm -hmm. with baseball, right? But it's understanding that there is a problem here. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, the first step. And I think that's what people are kind of realizing it, right? I think, go back to the definition of feminism, we're not looking for pity. We're not looking for an advantage. Yeah. We're looking for equal opportunities. Yeah, and it's like, it's not even like we're asking to be given equal jobs and equal. We just want to be looked at equally and considered equally because right now it's, and I argue with my guy friends about it all the time is like at the end of the day, when people hire someone, I know a lot of men and I've done a lot of job interviews where I know that if there's a guy with normal to the same, um, like prerequisites as me and same resume as me, he's getting picked. We have to just understand that we are useful for other things and, Again, with my example with baseball and hockey and stuff, like, Haley Wickenheiser, when she started, she was the one who was in a dressing room secluded by herself on a guy's team. And now she's in the Hockey Hall of Fame for being one of the best female athletes in the world. Like, she's insane. But with her jobs now and the fact that she has a doctorate, like... Yeah, she's working for least player development. She's a medical doctor in an emergency room on top of doing all the motivational speaker. She was a mother while going through all of this and playing on, if you read her book, like the, you, the Canadian training women's training center is one of the most toughest training centers in the world. She went through all that and is one of the biggest advocates, right? Like you look at what this girl has done. And that proves to me that we're strong enough to, do that we have that in our bones to be able to do that and obviously different personalities like there's guys who wouldn't be able to go do sports and play football because they're scrawnier or smaller but it's the same for women like you have to know your strengths and people need to understand that we wouldn't put ourselves in a position that we didn't think we were worth and we were good enough for I would have never considered talking to Laurentian's coach unless I knew that I was good enough to compete with these guys and fit in with these guys. I would have just went, nah, I'm okay, thank you for the offer. I wouldn't have put myself in that embarrassing situation. 
we wouldn't do that to ourselves but it's any job really like my example with firefighting like it's it honestly like women should be considered for other jobs for that reason and that like that's such a good example too it's like these jobs that it's like oh male dominated feels like only males could do this because like for instance like we'll go back to the sports world right it's like oh well only men played so like only they could take these front office jobs only only they know this sport more it's like okay I might have not played baseball for uh for my whole life but I could sit and watch a baseball game with some of my friends and know more than them right yeah but because I'm a woman you don't think so Mm -hmm. and that's what it goes back to like I said the definition of feminism I'm not asking you to give me a job when I'm unqualified. I'm asking you to look at a qualifications and say, okay, you're more qualified than people around you. Let's give you the job, no matter your gender, no matter the stereotype of, well, she's a girl, like maybe although she's qualified, like maybe she doesn't know as much as this guy that played for six years. Yeah. Who's kind of a meathead, but he played. So it's like, he knows the sport more. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I love your example about firefighting too. It's right. It's like, we have to get to a point that I'm hoping to get to a point in my lifetime where it's that there's no more controversies around yeah. Iron Woman. And then we get to a point that it's a normal. Absolutely. Well, that was my favorite movie of all time is 42, just because of the situation Jackie Robinson went through in his life. And I mean, obviously it's not the same because it's a different time period and he was going through a different thing. But there's a lot of things in that movie that I resonate with. There's a lot of things that he went through where I go, wow, I I felt that. I felt that pain he's going through. I felt that when they're calling him the N-word as he's going on the field. And it's like, I felt that. It wasn't the N-word, but I was called a lot of things. And it's like, that feeling and that what he went through and how he ended up because someone gave him an opportunity. Someone said, find me the best ball player, white or black. And they found the best ball player. And he, he proved himself. He got the opportunity to prove himself and he proved that he ended up being one of the best players in the MLB. And I would argue one of the best ever, but he started something. He started a movement and that's the, starting grounds for us he obviously didn't want to have to go through that trauma to get there but someone's got to do it someone's got to do it I liked what you said too that it literally just takes one opportunity Mm -hmm. and it takes one chance and that's what I think right like we'll use uh I'm gonna use the example of like even like Kamal Kamal Harris right like VP of the the United States government it's like we just need she just said you need Girls need to see it to dream it, right? It started with one person getting an opportunity that grows a movement. And it only takes one. And we look at the movement that was, and to your point, I love the movie 42. And then I love the movie A League of Their Own. It's one of my favorite movies growing up. And watching that movie and seeing kind of like, although I didn't go through some of the experiences you did, I've still went through my own and trying to get into this industry. And it's like, like, Dottie Harris thought she had to do something spectacular to grow the game. Yeah. And I want to get to a point where we don't have to be. Yeah, we could just be ourselves and just be, and we aren't one in a thousand. Yeah, absolutely. And I've actually met a couple of those women who played in the league of their own. They are like in their hundreds. They <laughs> are amazing. And they're still pushing. They are still, they show up. We had a banquet for team Canada in Ottawa where they, 
um, had a whole thing on them and had a conversation with them and they got to talk. And honestly, they're like the most down to earth people and amazing. And they talk about their experiences and they talk about the things they've done and they're still pushing to grow their game. And it's like, they want to make the most of it. They could have stopped once they stopped playing. They could have stopped once they hit 80 and, you know, could barely walk. But they are still pushing. And they go to games in the States where um, Team USA is playing and doing exhibition stuff. They show up and they talk to these young girls who are in the crowd and they introduce themselves and make themselves known. You can't just give up. And I know a lot of girls get frustrated and get put down. These girls got that opportunity to be a part of the league of their own. And they are still pushing to help us. We have to keep helping the generations below us. And it's, I like, that's kind of amazing to me that you got to meet and they're still pushing. Cause I kind of knew a little bit of that, but just mm-hmm. hear you say it. Cause it's true. Like, I don't want to say a league of their own made me want to play baseball, but kind of did. Right. Yeah, and it's yeah. one girl got an opportunity and it's a trickle down effect. And that's going back to the point of, showcasing putting these women on tv giving them limited resources will only not only save these girls of going in sport because if we're saving these girls of playing sport we're growing the game and we're having promotions and when i got to speak to one of them is was a catcher who was canadian and she was like asked me what position i played and she's like oh you're a catcher so was i back in the day and she gave me tips and pointers like, an 100-year-old woman <laughs> was more worried about giving me tips and pointers than anything else. Like, she just wanted to be able to give me a little bit of extra wisdom. And that's, like, they were such great people to meet. And that opportunity to me was amazing because, I mean, that movie was a big deal. That movie's a big deal for all of us. We make, at practice, we make references to it, like, all day <laughs> yeah. long. Um, and if anyone heard us, they'd be like, what is wrong with you guys? <laughs> But it's a huge part of what we are and what women's baseball is. Okay, well, Maya, firstly, thank you so much for coming on. That was that was some real raw conversations, and I thank you for telling your stories. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, like I think it's conversations like this that are uncomfortable, breaking the stereotype norm that we are talking about we need one girl to get an opportunity. It's I hope one girl listens today and really sees and hopefully holds with some of the stories that you went through, some of the stories that I went through and kind of thinks about because that's all we want, right? We just want to grow the game. Yeah, absolutely.